0: What would it have been like for Simon Peter, after having denied the Lord Jesus Christ, to meet Christ after he rose from the dead and to find his forgiveness and his grace? Welcome to Doctrine for Life with Dr. Joel Beeky. Today we hear the first part of Dr. Beaky's sermon on the resurrected Jesus counseling Simon Peter. This text will draw from Mark 16:7 in its first point, which is the full inclusion for a self-excluded Peter, and it will draw from Luke 24, verse 34 for the second point, which is a full appearance for an overwhelmed Peter. As you listen, may the Spirit give you ears to hear.
1: Dear church family and and dear children in particular this morning, we have a very fascinating story in front of us, The story how Jesus dealt with Simon Peter when he rose from the grave. Peter, as you all know, boys and girls, was a very special man. In some ways, he was like Martin Luther. He was an earthy man, a man who really was bigger than life. He He was the kind of person that when he walked into a room, you just knew he was there. He was a man who would speak quickly, too quickly sometimes. He was a man who was full of love. He was a man who really needed a wise, wonderful counselor. And Jesus was exactly that for his needy Simon Peter. And so this morning, I want to look with you at six ways, six ways in which Jesus reveals his post-resurrection fullness to Simon Peter as his wonderful counselor. And I'll give you each point as we go along, rather than you having to remember them all right now. So our text is going to be Mark 16, verse 7, where we simply read that, Go tell the disciples and Peter, That Jesus goes before you into Galilee, there you shall see him as he said to you. And Luke 24, verse 34, the Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared unto Simon. And then the bulk of our time will be on this passage I read from John 21. So our theme then is the resurrected Jesus counseling Simon Peter. Well, we all know the very sad story about Simon Peter's tragic fall, denying Jesus, denying the Lord who bought him, the one who was his number one love, the one he trusted, the one of whom he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And we're aware too, aren't we, that... Peter just didn't fall into this sin once, but three times, back to back. And then even with oaths and curses, and, and you read the story, we're used to it, of course, but it still is overwhelming that Peter would do this. But then there's just one look, just one look from Jesus, walking through the hall of Caiaphas, a look mixed with love, Compassion, and yet admonition. Do you really not know me, Simon? Is what the look said. And Peter, smitten, broken, goes out and weeps bitterly. And no doubt he thought, "I've I've ruined everything." There's there's no hope for me. I've I've destroyed my apostleship, even my discipleship. I'm unworthy to belong to my Savior anymore. I've ruined my entire life. I've denied the Lord who bought me. Have you ever felt that way? Maybe you've had an opportunity to evangelize someone and you just couldn't open your mouth. And you walked away and you said, Ah, I denied the Lord. Or maybe, maybe you fell into some sin that was greater. And you said, Lord, I've, I've forfeited everything. I'm unworthy that thou shouldst ever come under my roof again. I... I have no right to my counseling prophet and my interceding priest, my guiding king, ever again. I've ruined everything. Well, if you're you're a believer, you know what it means to look back on your life from time to time and confess, don't you? What a wonder it is that God ever saved you to begin with. But also that He keeps you saved despite all your shortcomings, despite all your sins, that he keeps you running the race all the way to the celestial city. That is an incredible miracle that is grounded in the mercy of this wonderful counselor. And so with this look of Jesus, Peter feels the reality, the enormity of his sin. And he who had boasted that he was the first and the best, though all men will deny thee, yet will not I, Lord. I'll go with you to prison and to death. That Peter now became last. The first became last in his own estimation. In fact, he wondered if he had a place at all. Before the cock crows, thou shalt deny me three times. And he said, no, I never, never, never would do that, Lord. But he did. He did. Now Jesus arises from the dead. And he sends a message to the angels. And the angels convey it to the women. Go tell my disciples and Peter that I will meet them in Galilee. What a message. What a message for Peter to hear. So that's my, my first point, my first point of counsel from Jesus to Peter. A full inclusion for a self excluded Peter. A full inclusion. And Peter, Jesus meant to say, Peter, you think you're not a disciple anymore. You think you're excluded. But I want you to know, particularly you, Peter, I will come and I will meet you in Galilee. And I will include you and I will embrace you. And I will restore you. Go tell my disciples, Jesus-seeking women, that I will meet also Simon Peter. But interestingly, Jesus does not say, Go tell Peter and my disciples. He doesn't put Peter first. Now I say that's interesting because in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, wherever you have a list of the 12, Peter's name is always first. Did you know that? Peter was a natural leader, he was the unspoken leader among the 12. But Jesus says, Go tell my disciples. And Peter. And Peter. Why does he do that? Why does he just say, Go tell Peter and my disciples? Well, Peter puts himself outside of it. He's just like, I, I've spoiled everything. Just the wonder of even being included would be great. And you see, he's not yet restored. So Jesus doesn't pretend as a counselor that everything is, is well and say, well, go tell Peter first of all. He's, he's still number one. He's, no, no. Jesus has a lesson to teach him. I will include you, Peter, by grace, even though you're unworthy to be my disciple. I recognize that, unworthiness. Go tell my disciples. And Peter. But even though Peter's now put last, which is unusual for him, it's still a full inclusion. He's still included completely by Jesus and that's the beauty of this council. You see, you may feel in your life at times that you've sinned everything away that there's no hope for you. you're you're excluded but Jesus says, there's a way for the greatest of sinners. There's always a second chance for the greatest of sinners. God is a God of second chances, a God of good news, a God of gospel. Go tell my disciples, yes, tell Peter as well. He's included. So God is so merciful. When you really come to meet the mercy of God, you understand, don't you, in your life that God has more desire for our salvation than we do ourselves. We tend to be so easily judgmental. Well, I'm not sure that person's converted or I'm not sure that person's converted. But God says, there's room. There's room. Compel them to come in. Room for the greatest of sinners who repent at my feet. You see, in God's mind, The doctrine of election, for example, is is a very spacious doctrine. In fact, election is the friend of sinners. No election, no one will be saved. Election is something that encourages the greatest of sinners to come, just as they are. Because God is a God of salvation. He's in the business of saving sinners. Go tell my disciples and Peter. It's so beautiful, isn't it? You remember the story of John Wesley and George Whitfield when they had their falling out, and Wesley rejected the doctrine of predestination and went the wrong way theologically? Someone came up to Whitfield during that time and said, Do you think John Wesley could, could still be saved? And You can understand the question. I mean, Wesley made a huge error here. You know what Whitfield's answer was Wesley be saved? Well, when we get to heaven, he'll be near the front, close by Jesus, and I'll just be glad to to be in the back of the crowd. And Peter, Peter's just glad he's included, just glad to be included. And isn't that the way you feel too, dear believer, even this morning? Oh, just to be included. Not just here in this sanctuary, but in Christ and by Christ and for Christ and through Christ and to Christ, to ever be with Christ in glory. Just to be included. Just to be in the back of the crowd, singing his praises. What a wonder. And Peter what a wonder that he has not put me away. And the beauty of all this is that this full inclusion for a self excluded apostle is so designed to make this apostle more useful. More useful, I say. A forefather once said God doesn't use a man greatly till he's broken him deeply. You see, Peter's problem. Peter's problem was that he was standing too tall. He wasn't ready to go out and be an apostle pastor. He would have beat up the little sheep. He wouldn't have understood those that fell. But God breaks him right where he needs to be broken in order to heal him and use him. So he can feed the little lambs as well as the sheep, as we'll hear momentarily. You see, these words and Peter sent via the angels from Jesus our words of wise counsel. God makes us needy and broken so that we can never be anything apart from Christ and that Christ can become everything for us Through his superabounding grace. Really, the whole gospel is wrapped up in these two words and Peter. Not disciples, Peter. Disciples and Peter. It's the gospel. I include you, Peter. Full inclusion for the self excluded. That's God's grace. The second fullness of Christ's counsel is a full appearance to an overwhelmed Peter. Now, last week we saw the men of, or the two travelers rather, on the way to Emmaus being visited by Jesus. And you remember they were coming back to tell the disciples that Jesus is alive and to tell them everything they experienced and as they burst into the room instead the people in the room cried out to them the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon and it's, it's beautiful it's, it's like a surprise surprise because they're going to surprise the disciples and the disciples surprise them And that's that's what God does. That's what God does when he works with his grace. He he gives double surprises. He gives grace upon grace again and again in our lives. And we stand amazed at his mercy. But you'd expect now, wouldn't you, in Luke 24, 34, you'd expect a, a long, a long story of how that went. Wouldn't you like to know that? Wouldn't you like to see, I would like to see 10, 20 verses on everything that happened when he appeared to Simon. That would have been so special. I mean, the travelers to Emmaus, who, who you don't know except for this part of Scripture, they got 23 verses. Luke 24, 13, all the way to 35. But Simon Peter, the lead disciple, doesn't, we don't get any detail. He just has appeared to Simon. End of story. Why? Well, we don't know for sure, of course, because the Holy Spirit has his reasons for doing what he does and giving us the amount of detail he does. But could it be that that meeting was just too sacred and too intimate? for human vocabulary could it be that there wasn't much spoken but it was mostly tears and embracement and sobbing and restoration and forgiveness that was so intimate so personal That we don't need the words. Have you ever had something like that? God leads his people differently, but if you're a believer, you know you know you know a little bit of that somewhere in your life. Or something happened to you to include you in Christ such that maybe you've said it even to a friend. I can't put it into words. I can't put it into words. But under that sermon, or in that conversation with that child of God, or as I was reading the Scriptures, or as I was driving down the road and this verse came with power into my mind, I met the Lord. It's the Lord. And I don't know how to explain it. Maybe it even sounds mystical if I tried, but I don't mean it to be that way. And I don't mean it to be something super, super, super special. But it was sacred. And it was intimate. And I felt the embrace of my Savior. And I felt the burden of my sins wash away. He's appeared to Simon, it's glorious. An overwhelmed Peter. A full appearance to an overwhelmed Peter. You can scarcely imagine what Peter went through at those moments. To hear that he's going to appear to Peter is encouraging. But to have him appear... And to have him appear in a private, sacred meeting is overwhelming. And you see, that's what happens to you if you meet him. If you meet him under the Word of God. Haven't you ever had that? Where you, where you walk out of church and you say, I just forgot everybody else was there. I even forgot the preacher was there. It, it was just God and me. It just seemed like God was just speaking directly to me in that sermon. I was alone with him. It was a sacred encounter. Jesus counsels us through his word. But there are times when that counsel comes in such a powerful way, in such a liberating way, that it's unforgettable for the rest of our lives. I don't know if you've ever gone to a counselor for anything, a Christian counselor. But sometimes when you go to a counselor, there can be an aha moment where you, the counselor says something to you that suddenly the light bulb goes on and you realize what your problem has been or you realize what the solution is. And even years later, you remember. That advice you got. And you see, that's what this encounter was for Simon Peter. Whatever the Lord said to him at that moment, we don't really even need to know, do we? Because we know it was forgiveness, we know it was personal reconciliation, we know it solved Peter's burden, his soul problems, we know it was unforgettable. What a blessing. What a wise, what a precious, what a wonderful counselor Jesus is. I think Peter must have walked away from that saying, I can't can't believe it. He was so gracious. He was so forgiving. He's altogether lovely. And I'm altogether overwhelmed with his loveliness.
0: Thank you for listening to Doctrine for Life with Dr. Joel Beakey, a ministry of the Gospel Trumpet. Please consider supporting the broadcast of Doctrine for Life with your financial gifts. For more information on how to donate to this ministry and to download free booklets or audio files of previous broadcasts, please visit our website at gospeltrumpet.net. That's gospeltrumpet.net. William Ames said, Theology is the doctrine of living to God. May God write the doctrines of the Bible upon your heart so that you may truly live.